You are listening to The Art of Homemaking, and I'm your host, Sally Ann, bringing you conversations with experts in their fields to help us make our homes places we love. Today we have interior designer Charlotte Coote join us to discuss her favourite home growing up in Ireland, the renovation of her home in Mount Macedon and designing homes for families. We will also talk about her new book, Colour is Home. Just a delight to have Charlotte join us today. I, um, I visited one of Charlotte's houses when I was a young decorator in Melbourne and um, it was just one of those extraordinary experiences. Your father was such an amazing I hope he interior wasn't designer. <laughs> I think he probably was a I bit terrifying, so. actually. <laughs> so lucky to grow up um, in this beautiful house. I mean, really for two reasons. I guess the first one was because architecturally it was extraordinary. It was built in 1729 and... Uh, it was designed by Sir Edward Lovett Pierce, and you know the rumor was that he um, was heavily influenced by Andrea Palladio, and so uh, the Villa Rotonda in um, in Italy. So it was this perfect example of Irish Georgian, but also had the sort of very beautiful proportions of you know Andrea Palladio, the symmetry, the scale, the proportions. So. You know, as a little girl, I probably didn't understand all of that. But, you know, it was it was beautiful in the summertime, the the way that the house was designed, that the, the light came in, but then also in the wintertime for the lower sun and the Irish sun and um, even in the gloomy months of February at 3.30 when it got dark, you know. Um, and then I think also just being in Europe was pretty fabulous. And my sister and I went to the local uh, national school and we learnt Gaelic and, um, and that was just fabulous and it was just a really special time and there were interesting people around and my parents had all of these interesting sort of creative and fascinating people over that were just like from another world. I mean, my sister and I, my brother was back in boarding school in Australia and my sister and I still just like laugh about some of the people that came and stayed and some of them were quite grand, some of them were creative and, you know, it was, it was really amazing to sort of, in hindsight, think back on that time and how lucky we were and riding our horses and, you know, it was all, it was all very special and it was, um, so that would be definitely my favourite part of my childhood. Charlotte, what were the most important things your father taught you about design? The, the principles that I always go back to at the beginning of creating anything and, um, you know, that scale, the proportion, that, that things should be timeless, that, um, you know, you really have to think about the lifestyle of how you're living in a space. These are all the things, and, and to be generous, and, um, you know, these are all the things that I think about when I create, it, whether it's a light or an entire house, and I think those principles, even when I sometimes get a bit swamped as a designer, I revert back to it and I think it really helps me. And I've spoken about that a bit in, in my book as well. And, uh, you know, I think it's a great place to start. Family home is now yes. Manani that has a, a very interesting yes. history as well. How did you go about changing that? In 1890 yeah. for Sir Isaac Isaacs and Lady Isaacs, who was the first Australian-born governor. 
And he named the property after his two daughters, which I thought was really sweet, called Marjorie and Nancy. So that was why it was Manani. But really since then, I guess my family would be um, the youngest family since he's living there. And so previous to us, there were, you know, it was a, probably a weekend home and a holiday home. And so we really needed to think about it being home for a young family and how was it going to work for us. So really in three stages. Um, at the beginning, we moved in and we did the sort of, uh, we, we, we did the paint, we did the, um, you know, the flooring, the carpet. I feel like a home feels a bit like more like yours when you do the, and we wanted to yeah. live in it for a little while. And then we realised that, you know, the kitchen was too small. And, but we were eyeing off this fabulous, um, <laughs> you know, what Kevin and John had built for their garage. And it, it, you know, we never parked there. It's this fabulous double height ceiling. And I used to get cups of tea and go and stand there when it was just a garage in the morning, even in the middle of winter, and just watch the light coming in and thinking, oh, I'd really love to turn this into a fabulous big double height country kitchen and that's what we did so we completed that um at, sorry at the beginning of last year and it's big it's 14 meters by i don't know eight meters and then the sort of out rooms we didn't change anything to do with the outside of the house but internally we reconfigured the other rooms and created a fabulous flower room um a, a beautiful powder room and yeah. also a drying room which up at mount macedon has just been so fantastic so along the way as well i think yeah, you know I... you have to allow for the random things to arrive and, and leave sometimes the art the objects the you know the um the different the, the, it kind of it kind of look like it's arrived off the back of a truck you know like it needs to feel authentic it can't be this rolled out yeah. interior and i think you need to make room and allow for that beautiful layering because that's that's when it um it, that's where the, the magic lies, I think. And then finally, the final stage is Paul Bangay's helped us connect the landscape at the front of that old garage, you know, to the house and to the kind of new kitchen. So it's really been these three, you know, very structured, you know, stages. But then in and amongst that, there's all the sort of whimsical arriving and sometimes leaving of rugs and, you know, fabulous pictures and artworks and things arriving and... and and that makes my home unlike anyone else's and the same with, with your homes too, you know. That's what authenticity is is the key. And, you know, I, I just rolled out interiors are dead to me. You have the most extraordinary dining room and I can only imagine your guests have the best time in your dining room. What what are your tips for a successful dining room? I think we're room? all probably a little bit creeped out by our, you know, grandmother's mahogany, um, you know, tables and dressing in our Sunday bests and being on sort of best behaviour and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> so we're all a bit creeped out by dining rooms. But if you can make it not so serious and if you can use them and if you can have a character in there, like I, I have a, a rhododendron pink dining room. I have... Um, you know, pink and orange and red artworks on, on the walls and, um, you know, copper and chandeliers. And, you know, it's actually a small room, so it is conducive. It takes a lot of colour. And so at the beginning, I just painted above the dado rail um, in pink. Then I painted below the dado rail and the, then the painters left and then, and it's high gloss pink. And then I, one night I stayed up till three o'clock in the morning and I was like, it's not done. I need to create this like pink box. So I literally got the ladder and painted the ceiling myself until three o'clock in the morning. 
Um, and it's pretty mad. So it, it's fun and it doesn't fill up tight room there. And it's when it's candlelit, it's fabulous. And we've got, you know, Pierre, crazy Pierre Frey on the, on the dining chairs and um, it's good fun. And we can cram 12 people in there. And I think the more the madness, the, the better. And, you know, that's just don't take it so seriously. And then the, the rooms will be used. Don't be uptight. It doesn't need to be like dinner with the queen. How did you use gloss? Well, the actually, what the paint colour is called Glamour Pulse by Re Resin. And I was like, we can't do Glamour Pulse in a matte finish. It needs to be, you know, high gloss pink. It's got to be, you know, <laughs> it's got to be. And then I designed the chandelier. I, the, 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 you know, I, it's, it's like copper. It was made in London with one of my father and my suppliers by hand. And it's all beautiful um, Italian crystals. And it was just like a one-off. And I love the sort of adding the kind of metallic you know, thing and, um, you know, it, it, it's good fun. It's good fun. What do you fun. think are the, the key ingredients when entertaining Charlotte? You know, if you're going to entertain and be stressed out, what's the point, you know? So you need to entertain because it's fun and you want to, show, you know, show off your beautiful home and good conversation and delicious food, delicious wine. So I think, you know, in my youth, I really made mistakes and was just underprepared. So that's the first thing. You really, you need to think about everything and get as much done as you can before. Um, because in my youth, I remember sort of, you know, in Ireland, like in my 20s, sort of running down the driveway to get, I don't know, milk or something 10 minutes before guests arrive. That's hopeless. And you will be stressed out. And don't leave your outfit to the last minute like I used to do. So I'm getting better at it. So I think you need to think about your outfit. You need to think about what you're cooking well in advance. And don't try to create some sort of, you know, Heston amazing thing with foam. You need to stick at what you're, you're, you're good at making. You don't test out recipes. You have to just yeah. do your go-to, whatever it is, roast chip chook or whatever. And People will think it's delicious. They just actually want you to be relaxed and to have fun with them. So, you know, I think that's the key is mm -hmm. to have fun, think about what you're going to wear, think about where your guests will sit, who will have fun next to each other. And, and also just don't be uptight. Like if people leave early, they leave early. If they leave late, they leave late. Like it just, it depends on the chemistry of the night and you need to let that roll. And I guess also the final thing that I like to think about is, Think about the sensory element of your home. So how does it smell? How does it sound? You know, we've got this beautiful old record player that we play and the crackle and it's just different to playing music and, you know, beautiful candles and, um, you know, flowers and things. I mean, it sounds obvious, but just, you know, where you kind of get overwhelmed, think about the senses. Think about, you know, when your guest walks in the door and, you know, all of those, all of those senses and how they play out. I know you have three daughters. So when your and your daughter's bedrooms are just so incredibly gorgeous, what's your approach to designing well, children's rooms? I just think that you can't have like a baby girl's room and expect that it's going to stay like that until she's 20. You need to get your head around. Interior designing doesn't have to be expensive, but I do think you need to adapt as the child grows up and you know, sometimes as a parent, I think all the parents out there would agree with this, you don't really know when you're at the next stage. But just be ready, whether it's, you know, maybe they, they turn eight or nine and they need a desk and then, you know, uh, just let them also express, you know, sometimes they like to put really vile sort of <laughs> posters and things and, 
you just try and work that in with what you're doing. So it can still look fabulous and you can still let the child express themselves. I think it's really important. And, uh, you know, but just there, yeah. there might be like four or five stages from when they're a newborn baby until they're 20. And as a parent, work with the child to kind of work through those, you know, maybe it's moving from a single bed to a double bed. Um, you know, maybe it's bringing in a desk. Maybe it's yeah. getting rid of the, the baby wallpaper and choosing something that's, you know, a little different or a stripe or something a little bit more sophisticated. Um, so don't be stuck. Like, don't just think, you know, when it's done, it's done and that's the end of it. I think you need to adapt and, and live with life. It's got to be good looking and practical and user friendly. And what about um, creating homes that are child friendly? Well, Do you have any advice so, for look, parents? I'm really going to level with you on this one. As a designer and a mother, I, I, I find that, you know, I really, I, I don't cope with the Lego and the, <laughs> that sort of, my mother used to vacuum Lego up. And I remember thinking it was so beastly when we were growing up that mum used to vacuum the Lego up. And now I vacuum the Lego up and I think, how terrific, it's just gone. Like, um, the Dysons don't really like it, but I've got this other quite big sort of industrious like vacuum cleaner that I like to get out when I'm particularly cross about them not picking Lego up. And, you know, we've had everything. It's, we've had the Barbie mobile smashing into the skirting board. My children have, I know they have been swinging off the curtains in the library because they're ruined. Um, also, one of my children, I won't name her, actually did a poo on the sizal. So that wasn't great. Not carpet sizal, like imagine all of that texture. I mean, just, so I think as well, you have to, um, yeah. you know, it's like pets as well. I mean, they vomit on the carpet and they do all of these hideous things. It's a home and let it happen and you just fix it. You, you fix it. Like, fix it on the, on the run and paint the, you know, the skirting boards. I literally made a phone call this morning and I said to, to um, my painters, I said, could you just come in and paint the skirting boards? It's, they've been smashed, you know. So just little updates and just yeah. roll with it and, and you know, keep yeah. adapting, keep changing yeah. for the different stages that your family is in and don't be set in your ways and just, you know, let it all happen and update it. It can still look fabulous. Loose covers, things like loose covers are great. I also like yeah. if you have the luxury, there's so much stuff with children, isn't there? There's school bags and things like that. So, you know, if you have the luxury of creating something from scratch, think about where all of that is going to go. So, for example, in our flower room, I, I, I designed this built-in bench seat that literally I got the tape measure out on the school bags and measured three school bags and this perfect bench and the little shoes go underneath and the jackets go above. And it's one of my, it's so aesthetically pleasing to me that they come in and they actually put the school bags there. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Like that's, you know, so I think, think about the practicality of life yeah. and where all of the ugly things will go and build yeah. for them and think about your aesthetic. And then the two will reward you if you can do that with good looks and with like order. What do you think is the most practical? Yeah, I, do you know what? I think despite <laughs> the fact that one of my children did do a poo on the sizal, uh, it's actually very hardy, believe it or not. You know, it really takes a lot of mud and I love sizal. I like to layer sizal. And I love carpet too. I mean, it just depends what, what you're doing it for. Um, we've got actually outdoor limestone pavers in our kitchen with underfloor heating and a new part of Manani in the drying room, flower room 
um, kitchen situation and, you know, that's fabulous. Like you literally just run the Dyson vacuum cleaner over it and it's, it's pretty amazing. And think outside the square too, like think about different things that you can use for flooring. Like it was an outdoor tile and we French laid it and the building was actually off centre and so we laid it on an angle purposely so that you couldn't see that the building wasn't symmetrical, if that made The walls don't have, um, you know, there's a slight tilt in the building and so we lay it in a diagonal way so that you mm. couldn't t tell to the eye. Mm. Charlotte, no, you're bringing this new book out. It's in, it actually goes onto the shelves um, on the first week of April and it goes not only to Australia but New Zealand and um, and America and the UK and I think Europe as well. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're excited about that. We're obviously very confident with colour and a lot of people are really scared about using colour. What um, Can you tell us about how you yeah, go about sure. your decisions I, with colour? You know, look, I think there's, you know, a quick trick. I think a, I think a kind of... A bigger room, I think a smaller room, as I said earlier, can really take a lot of colour. And if a room is dark naturally, then really you kind of have to work with that, make it darker. And if a room has a lot of natural light, then let it be naturally light. Let it, don't darken it. Um, also, if a room is big, like, for example, my, um, the big 14 by 8 metre double height kitchen that, you know, at Manani, um, really 80% of the room is white and it has lovely natural lighting in it. And I wanted to include colour in it because otherwise it look, would have looked like I'd kind of gone to a lunatic asylum with the rest of the house. So I had to, you know, just sort of, I wanted this punch. And, and so I thought, well, what do I see outside? And colour can come from lots of different places. It could come from an artwork you know you want to use in a room before you've even started. It might come from a rug that you know that you're going to use in a room. Um, but, but, you know, for me, it was from outside. We live in Mount Mustard and it was beautiful and lush, a little bit like what I see behind you. And I literally got the rhododendron leaves and the leaves of the ferns and I literally, not matched, I think it's boring to match. You don't want to match, like, you know, I think it was something my father taught me. It's like matching is boring. It just needs to all just, you know, be shades of, you know. And then also I like to photograph yeah. the sample. So whether it's colour samples or all the leaves on the table and you photograph those in the room um, or it's a textile scheme and then you go away and the, 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 the photo never lies. So it's this, you know, you sleep on it and then you look back at the photograph and the photograph kind of tells you which shade of, of green that you need to go with, which textile you need to get rid of and... Um, it really does work wonders and listen to your intuition when you look back at the photograph because it, you know, it's like buying anything. They say you never buy it on the spot, you go away and then you make the best decision when you go away and actually think about it. It's, it's the same as, you know, as textiles, as colour. And, um, you know, I think my kitchen, it's a very big room. It's very fresh, it's very light. And then I've just done the punch of the, really the extension of the garden in that green, which is called cabbage pont i think it's a resin color as well i like what you say about that charlotte too in the fact that the room's predominantly white but um because you've used so much color in the rest of the house you wanted to yeah. bring a bit of color in so that you know i love all of the interiors of siri mom back in the day and her beautiful fresh white interiors and i think when white is the right choice 
you know, do it and nail it and it's beautiful. But when white is the choice that you have made because yeah. you just felt too nervous to like venture out and do colour or you just didn't have the confidence, well, I think that's really sad. And I think listen to your intuition and listen to what you like and and sample things. Put it, you know, paint, get little tins of paint, brush yeah. them out on the walls, take photographs of them. And also don't get dictated by what the magazines tell you that you should paint your joiner or what trendy thing is. Like throw that out the window and it needs to be timeless and what you love. All right. So that's what you need to do. Like um popcorn by um um Porter's paints. I like natural white from uh Julux. I like um Bianca and Spanish white from resin. They're the more warmer whites. And then there's the sort of more blue whites like Lexicon, et cetera. Um, but, and, and there's a time and a place for them as well. But I think in the country in the sort of softer light, you want to go with a more natural white. I think it's a little bit more forgiving. Whereas a Lexicon type thing, you know, it could be really fabulous in a contemporary setting or maybe like in a beach or it just depends what else you're, you're going with. Does it Charlotte? What is the project that you're most excited about this year, apart from your book? Um, well, we are filming, we're about to start filming, my team and I, um, Coot & Co. So I'm going to be filming an online masterclass, which we're excited to bring to the market. And we're collaborating with a, a fabulous production company on that. So that'll be good. I've just signed another book deal <laughs> with Thames & Hudson, which is exciting. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with Fantastic. you soon and also we've got some exciting projects up in noosa um which is wonderful and this year you know we really did at kunko put a goal down to work with really lovely clients and you know it sounds like a funny thing to put down we do goal setting session at the beginning of every year the team and i and um you know we really have got some really lovely clients that we're collaborating with at the moment and it's just a joy really this year more than any other year to be doing what we're doing and we're very grateful for all the lovely people we're working with so yeah oh and sorry the best one i'm yeah, i'm also great. working my, my husband Jordan and i are building a, a house in tasmania so we're having lots of fun designing that at the moment so that'll be that'll be good fun which we're going to build wonderful is will that be a holiday house for you Charlotte? yes and that we'll rent out when we're not there. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And Charlotte, where do you find your best sources of inspiration? Definitely travel and definitely reading. I, I literally have the Leaning Tower of Pisa of um, design book, reference books next to my bed. And, you know, but I think at the, at the end of my book, I spoke about, I, I've given a, like a reading list of books that I always go back and reference. And, but also, you need to read design books and really read them and really understand what it was that the designer was trying to do when they created that room. You can't just, we're also used to scrolling on Instagram and seeing all the visuals and visuals and visuals and we think we're absorbing them all the time. But you've got to read, you've got to understand what the designer was trying to create because I think if you can get to the bottom of that, you will learn something that then you can take on to you know, your project and something you're trying to create, which I, I think is a really interesting thing. Like maybe the aesthetic of what you're seeing in the book isn't exactly what you love, but if you understand what the designer was trying to do when they were creating it, 
it's highly inspirational. And I think you then take those lessons on and apply them to yourself. And I think that, that makes it very, very interesting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I travel as well. I mean, you know, it really makes my mind boggle that two years ago I was in India and yet sometimes I'm working on concepts for clients and something I saw pops up now. And, you know, so things that you've seen 10 years ago when you travel and you think, oh, you know, that was not a waste of time, but just a good time or it was beautiful or whatever. But, you know, it's like, what does Diana of Reland say? The eye must travel. And it's just, you know, I, I think you pick things up. You pick a lot of, you, you, by osmosis, you see things and understand things or maybe the way they were made or why they used the arches they used or um, something about structure or texture or light or colour or, you know, you just learn and, and, that, and that comes out later in Creations, which I think is fabulous. I think travel is a wonderful source of inspiration, but I also think what you said about books, mm-hmm. you know, I often say to my daughter who loves interiors and I say to her, don't look at the pictures and say, oh, it's not for me, you know, read Read, yeah, Dad, as you say, because you've got all like a fabulous library of all of the interior design books that we love. And one of them was a, the Billy Baldwin book. I remember Dad giving that book to me. And I think he's even written in the front and said, you know, read this, like read the credits and read all of it, like cover to cover and absorb yeah. it. And don't just, you know, I think we all sit with yeah. a sort of coffee and we look at world of interiors and we're just looking at, at the, the, the picture, the pretty pictures. And it's, it's not enough, it's not enough. And Charlotte, what do you think's the best advice you've ever been given? Um, well, the late, in, beautiful, wonderful interior designer, Stuart Rattle, um, he was just, he, he had this sort of interesting idea that he said to me that it's not enough to just create one prototype of a light, Charlotte. You, and then just give up. And the same goes with your whole interior design career. You might need to remake the prototype of that light or lamp or that creation four or five times maybe. That might take three years. And stick at it because that's where the magic lies. And the same goes with, you know, any young interior designers out there. Like, just because it's not working at the beginning doesn't mean you can't adapt it and just keep doing it until you get it right. Because that is where the magic lies. Charlotte, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honour to be on your IGTV. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone else who's come on today. Thank you. Okay, bye.